0: Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers who want to simplify and speed up their custom platform development. Visit TimeSys.com today for access to our podcast archives.
1: Hi, this is Gene Sally And Machi. And we're, uh, we're doing a Linux Link Radio. Thanks for uh, tuning in or listening or downloading or whatever you do. Uh, I know we've been absent. We, haven't, uh, we missed, I think, an episode technically last week because we we've been out of town traveling yeah. quite a bit. And one of the places we stopped was uh, ESC West uh, out in – it was in San Jose this year at the um, – well, at the San Jose Convention Center. I don't think I have any, any other way to describe it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's downtown San Jose, I guess. Most of our listeners have been to that show or, or yeah. any show at that place, but yeah.
1: Yeah, so we were able to lasso a couple of people in. We, Ty's has had a booth there. And so we were able to lasso in some folks uh, around the show floor that were doing some some things that were interesting. And we interviewed them. And so we have a, a
2: couple episodes that we'll be releasing with, uh, with interviews. Generally, actually, a few words about the show. I think it was a very successful show. There was a lot of new technologies that uh, showed up and will actually… Play for you a couple of interviews with people from different companies that introduced it, th- those new technologies. Uh, some things that caught our eyes. It was growing, and I think that beginning with next year, um, there will be uh, an additional space across the street from that show. Yeah, there were a lot more people on the show floor from the last time I was there. It was yeah. uh, before. It was like the tumbleweeds were
1: coming down between the. <laughs> it really, I mean, it was it yeah. was sparse. It really was.
2: But uh, again, a number of different processors, software components that have been presented at this show, I think, also went up from uh, last year. Yeah, you know,
1: over the five years, uh, I've been going to that has has been morphing very much from a hardware show to more of a software show. That's true. Uh, I wouldn't say one hundred percent. One, that's not the. But there was, uh, I know, the first year I went to ESC, uh, like half the show floor were you know, people making connectors and yeah. and uh, boxes and uh, you know. And now AC uh, things and uh, you know plugs and uh, and there you know weren't as weren't as many right. Mm-hmm. Probably say less than half the people there were doing some sort of software.
2: And now you have a complete solutions uh, that I promoted uh, at the show uh, that in, involve not only uh, hardware component but also software pieces and development tools and, and, and turnkey solutions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So one of the guys
1: I ran across his um, the company is Parallax, and they make something called the Propeller Chip. Mm-hmm. And I know I was, was in the, but I was wandering around the, the floor and they had a cool booth and they had this little self-balancing
2: robot, which I thought, Hey, robot <laughs> self-balancing is interesting. But uh, that was only part of what's, uh, what was interesting about that robot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, but, but I talked to the, the guy for a second, I think it was called my dance Bot, and you can buy a kit for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first, the first thing you run across is you get the, the sale, right? Someone's trying to sell you something. And then if you ask for the technical guys and you can actually have a, Com, you know, an actual conversation. But mm-hmm. I ran across uh, someone whose name was Jeff Martin, mm-hmm. and he was explaining to me how the nice he, person. Yeah, yeah, he was very nice. And so he was explaining to me about uh, the chip they use is called the propeller chip, mm-hmm. and had a, a cool little architecture diagram. And he explained to me how you know what made this chip a lot different than others is that it was several cores all on the same die, right. and they invented their own language, and uh, they just got rid of those interrupts. And I thought to myself.
2: Yeah, right. That's catchy.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> how? Yeah, how? Explain to me. And uh, and really, they had, you know, he goes into it in, in the interview, which we'll cut to in a second because that's more interesting than we have to mm-hmm. say. Uh, but he talked about how uh, they, you know, uh, designed the ship from the beginning, recognizing that interrupts were, in fact, a uh, band aid or, you know, an implementation scheme for the fact that there was only one processor. Yeah, a workaround, right? Yeah. Think, yeah. And um, by, you know, buying into this one core, right? Or, mm-hmm. or pardon me, by designing something that had multiple cores on it, you could dedicate one core to wait whenever it was awoken when needed to That's handle right. this this so event.
2: One task that is basically bound to a specific core and can execute one hundred percent of a CPU time, and there's no uh, contention. Yeah, which is a an interesting approach to uh, an embedded system. Um, I, I think that technologically that, that just uh, shows how advanced processors um, have been promoted at that show mm-hmm. and what they're capable of doing. That particular processor in that robot application was reading data from different sensors mm-hmm. and keeping the robot in balance. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was no overhead, there was no contention, and thanks to that multi-core nature of uh, the chip that uh, that company designed, the robot was able to control all the loops at a very tied uh, periods. Yeah, and
1: it was really cool because the, the way they think, had things designed is they had a, a round robin system for mm-hmm. accessing external things. So everyone may have shared the same pool of memory, but you know, this, I wouldn't call it the scheduler, right? but you got some time window to access your the main core of memory, and that was a predi- at a predictable interval, and uh, you could move a couple your data around, and then you sort of lost your, your window at that point. You waited until mm-hmm. it came by again and uh, when you think about real time systems real time is more about predictable right. Matter of fact it's all about predictable and right. so that that really made it easy from a predictability standpoint and just turns into the fact that, you know can you run things fast enough in order for it to be practical in the real world and, and,
2: and well there are other other challenges when you when you look at uh, real time and uh, larger operating systems including linux right challenges that linux community has been dealing with for for quite some time now where you, where you have to deal with overhead Preemptiveness of the Linux kernel implementation of different communication interfaces, just to ensure that communication between different processes in the same space, the unbounded priority inversion—all those things go away when you have a single task per per core per processor. Oh yeah, and you just have your own dedicated memory, and uh, processes can can write and read to and share to and from shared memory. We didn't actually drill down too much about how the synchronization on the memory access happens but i believe it's round robin
1: is it okay yeah i i probably may have gotten that really wrong well, I, I did listen to the interview right so yeah. i I, and I sounded you know more stupid than i usually sound it was uh <laughs> i i know i clipped out
2: most of the stupidity at the beginning it's uh, uh, it it's not bad gene it's it's the fact that you were in a japan time zone uh oh, when yeah. we were interviewing so yeah
1: the, yeah the day before i just landed from uh no I can't remember now. Yeah, I think the day before I I came in from, uh, I was in Shurujuri, I think I'm mispronouncing that, which is a wonderful little town. It's about three and a half miles west of Tokyo. And uh, so, yeah, so I was most definitely on who knows what time.
2: Yeah. But I I could tell just by looking at you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I solved it by, you know, attempting to sleep and then You know, drinking four times the normal amount of caffeine in the morning without eating anything, right? In hopes that it would get absorbed faster.
2: Well, so... You can certainly certainly hear it. So let's enjoy that interview and let's hear you again after those couple of cups of coffee. Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) So we stopped by. Well, I actually, I was wandering around and uh, lo and behold... I came across your booth because I had a little robot that was balancing by itself,
2: mm-hmm. and That's of right. course
1: it moved a little bit, so it
2: immediately caught my attention. <laughs> yeah, you like those robots, do yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I know I'm. I know I have problems, right? And so I did to as my it's attention. A, it's, a, it's for a technology. Second. So yeah. So and I stopped and I talked to, to someone there, and I can't remember the poor guy's name.
0: His name is Hanno.
1: Okay, and he said, "Hey, you know, our, we have this operating system, and it doesn't have any." I said, "Well, how does it work?" He's like, "Well." First of all, we got rid of all the interrupts. We rethought, you know, what? real-time operating system, and there's no interrupts. No interrupts. And I thought to myself, yeah, right, right. And uh,
2: so, uh, hold on, hold on. Operating system without interrupts. Yes. Okay.
1: Exactly. And and so I said, well, what? You know, explain this to me. And so, he explained to me for a little bit, and you, you know how bad I am with that kind well,
2: of stuff. Well, you, you tried actually to explain that to me, and, and, and you were bad, yes.
1: We No, I, I said, oh, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. I said it had no interrupts. I got that right. That's right. Okay. To, I got
0: that right. You got the most important thing right. And then after
1: that, it just all slid uh, downhill. So, I did manage, so later on I figured we'd go back, and I, I grabbed Jeff, um, and uh, he, after some cajoling, was willing to, to talk to us about what no or about the the what's the operating system
0: called? Is that uh, well? This is actually it's called the Propeller chip.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. It's not an operating system. Yeah, it's, it's thing I operating up. system. It's another it. thing I screwed up too, right? Well, I'm <laughs> telling you, you're it's trying to explain it to me. But. <laughs> Jeff's really polite. So far, I'm entirely probably botching up this entire conversation. He's sitting there saying, ah, mm, "Oh, I think just I have an appointment now." You know what, Jim, Let
2: maybe Jeff uh, introduce the product for for a few minutes. Yeah, uh, and, and let's take it does. from there. Yeah, all right.
0: Well, the Propeller chip is uh, our, our our own silicon. It's uh, a completely 100% custom design uh, of our own, where we actually sat down over a course of years and
1: I got sitting down right.
0: Thought about what's wrong with microcontrollers that we use because we use microcontrollers all the time okay. and different development tools, and we have the same we run into the same frustrations that you know typical developers do so we looked at that and and decided you know we want to make something different Uh, so we really thought about it from the ground up and we weren't willing to uh, you know leave anything uh, behind we we wanted to actually like question everything so one of the things that came up we had this idea why don't we make these tiny little processors that uh, are very very simple and you can connect them up and uh, and assign each one a specific task to do. And the, the whole collective of them work together to achieve some goal for an application. Well, eventually it grew into, let's just put all the processors on one chip. So we created the propeller chip, which has eight processors on board. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we completely did away with interrupts because okay. you don't need interrupts. Uh, the whole thing with interrupts that a lot of people don't understand is that they're actually a band-aid for lack of processors because the technology wasn't really around to to put multiple cores on one die in the past so in order to deal with asynchronous events like things like uh, radio signals coming in keyboard input things you don't know when it's going to happen but you know it's going to happen sometime uh, you needed interrupts with a single processor. The way it works in the propeller chip is you just assign a, an, a processor to deal with that event. And it sits there and actually basically goes to sleep waiting for that event, but, but it's still kind of in a, a waiting state. Okay. So it's very low power, mm-hmm. um, but the moment that the I.O. pins change a certain way, however you specified it yeah. to change, it will wake up and execute the next instruction next hundred instructions however you tell it to do
2: so does it mean that each processor is uh, designed to do one single operation
0: not necessarily Uh, you can definitely write it write your application that way Uh, but typically uh, it they do multiple operations okay and uh, like but you could have a processor uh, sitting there just generating video. That's another thing the chip does by itself with just a few resistors on the outside. It can generate an NTSC or PAL display Mm -hmm. or a a VGA display. Um, Each each of the processors has um, uh, its own video generator hardware and a couple of counters that you can use to generate some cool signals or do some simple uh, like Delta Sigma A to D. And uh, but but you can have it do multiple things if you have the bandwidth within that processor. So maybe maybe you have one processor handling keyboard input, I which see. is a very low bandwidth thing. That, you know it's very, very slow. That. For the process, it doesn't have to think about it that much. That's right. So it can also do maybe mouse input okay. and maybe something else. So, so you have some uh, an, another processor dedicated to just video generation.
2: So, how did you get away with uh, no interrupts again? I'm sorry. I, it's oh, so oh, sorry. No, uh, it's okay.
0: Okay, instead of interrupts, yeah. what you do is you say, okay, I'm going to have. Uh, the second processor sit there and wait for an event from an RF device or a keyboard event or a mouse event Uh, and and it just sits there and it's in that particular case it's dedicated to that situation and it just goes to sleep waiting for an event it's imagine imagine having one person sitting at a desk typing on the keyboard as soon as the phone rings, he's interrupted yeah. to go answer the phone, maybe somebody comes to his office, he's interrupted to talk to them. Well, now take that and put three people there, one guy sitting there at the, phone, the phone, one guy doing the keyboard, one yeah. guy waiting for somebody to come to the door, and the guys at the phone or the key or the door are essentially asleep until somebody arrives. Meanwhile, the other guy can just keep going on with whatever he's doing on the computer.
2: So, um, the uh, if for example, you monitor a keyboard input. Um, the processor that's monitoring that simply looks for change in voltage level on specific pins? Correct.
0: Ah. Yeah, in fact, there's dedicated hardware inside of each processor. It's just a simple state machine that you, you give it a pattern. Like a one zero one zero pattern, yeah. and tell it I want these pins. I want to sleep until these pins either equal this state or don't equal this state, and nice. then it just it goes to sleep. the The clock signal is actually prevented from executing or from causing any execution within the chip or within that processor, processor. on the yeah. chip. Yeah. yeah. Timeless, listening. uh, It's interrupt masking. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, there's only one of me. (laughs) Um, So uh, that guy is... I lost my train of thought.
2: I'm sorry. That's okay. That's
0: okay. Where was I? Um,
2: You were talking about uh, input signal arriving on a... Pin and then.
0: Right?
1: Because the, the, at this point, this one processor out of the array was sleeping.
0: Yeah, right. It
2: wasn't
1: consuming any clock cycles and it right. was waiting That's for a right, certain yeah. mass to be. Yeah, there's a uh, tiny hit, hit little
0: piece of hardware inside that sits there and every clock cycle compares what it sees on the pins to the pattern that you gave it. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't match, it's not going to wake up. Then it doesn't. Oh, and then
1: then no. Oh, wait a second. Then no instructions execute. Therefore, right. nothing happens. Yeah, and very little ah. power
0: is execute is used to uh, to execute that little process because oh, yeah. it's not, you know, it's just a few little transistors. Mm.
1: Very interesting. So, yeah.
0: So, and at the same time, you can along with this, the application that's downloaded to the chip can choose to launch and kill off processors at will depending on the need. So you might mm-hmm. have something that's maybe a portable device um, that has to pay attention to a keyboard, maybe some kind uh, of you know pressure pin input, maybe a Bluetooth connection or something. Uh, but when it doesn't have to do when there's no like high bandwidth uh, information to deal with, it can actually shut down all the processors that normally deal with that and, and have just one or two. Wait for those events, and then wow. as soon as it needs to do high bandwidth stuff, it cranks it up.
1: So did it's like you? built-in power management. At
2: right? Time, did you yeah. did you actually uh, compare the uh, power consumption to uh, some of the actual uh, pro- processors? Um,
0: well, the uh, you mean within the chip?
2: The, uh, no, no, like uh, other processors ARM that? processors, PowerPC. Uh, um, uh, I'm just curious if uh, so. Maybe you have numbers in terms of uh, power consumption for for your processor. Well, I can
0: tell you that when when the chip, when when a processor is running at 80 megahertz, it's like uh, 500 microamps per MIP, wow. basically that you get. So you end up with um, what is it? It's uh, it's like 80 milliamps running at 160 MIPS. Uh, so, and when they're shut down, it's just, it's, it's nano-apps. I mean, it's, it's really tiny.
2: Wow, so what are the typical applications for a processor?
0: Well, that's the thing, a lot of people ask this question. Yeah. Um, we designed it to try to be sort of a single solution for a lot of applications, so uh, that's why we, we built a video generator into it. Okay. Um, we have spe- these little counter modules that can be configured to do different things. Uh, so so that you can put this chip in a design and maybe you have a keyboard or a display or, or both of them, uh, you don't need a special chip to do video generation. You can do it right on there with just uh, eight or less resistors on the outside. Uh, same thing with the keyboard. It's just a simple yeah. uh, connection with passive components. Uh, so the idea was to uh, simplify... Uh, embedded designs, and also lessen the cost okay.
2: by and the having fewer
0: parts yeah. uh, and, and uh, essentially a more capable device that's able to do all these things at right. once. So
2: uh, in your booth, you are showcasing the robot, right? And, the balancing uh balancing bot. So uh, what are the functions that you realize in that processing for the robot?
0: For the robot? Yes. Uh, well, in that particular case, what it's doing is... Uh, it has an accelerometer and a uh, gyroscope, a little okay. solid-state gyroscope, mm-hmm. that it's monitoring to determine what angle it's sitting at and where the, the main force of gravity is so that it can tell you know how it's balancing. I see. Then it goes through some calculations based on those measurements to drive the motors a certain direction to keep itself balanced. Okay. So if it's leaning a little too much one way, it'll move. If somebody pushes it a little bit, uh, it's able to move aggressively to try to okay. balance Counter, itself before it topples so over. Just,
1: so just out of curiosity, how, how did you implement that?
0: Well, actually, I didn't implement that. that you the can take credit a fort. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the gentleman you spoke to, Hanno, is actually one of our customers. Okay. Uh, and he decided to use the propeller chip for it because because of its multiprocessor uh, capabilities, yeah. it, it kind of lends itself well to robotics where you're trying to monitor multiple sensors at once and doing calculations based on the data that you yeah. received. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he chose the propeller chip on his own and, and, uh, and built up this little example just kind of, of something for fun. Well, And we got word of it and invited him to come to our booth to help us advertise the chip
2: it definitely worked uh, and gene is a, a living proof of it <laughs> well i mean Good. it
1: seems i mean think about the application it seems ideal right because you have a bunch of could probably dedicate a processor per axis or something or yeah. right? sure yeah. and then then begin to decide what to do yeah uh, based on that yeah.
0: right um, how scalable is it how scalable mm-hmm. it's very scalable it's meant to be really general purpose so uh there's there's really not um well, there's very few applications we have found so far that you really can't apply it I to, see. except for some really high-speed applications okay. like uh, maybe 100BASE-T uh, Ethernet. Yeah. Uh, that's With something control. that we're yeah. planning to be able to do in in one of the future versions Because
1: it sounds like, and, and not to use it sounds like the the core or COG, I think is what you call them. Yes. There's like, what, eight? Eight Yes, there's eight. Eight. And can you have several of those in work in parallel or the next chip you're working on has more than eight
0: COGs inside of it? Yeah, at any time you can have them work in parallel um, or you can have them communicate to each other or maybe some communicate and others work completely independently. Mm -hmm. And that can change dynamically over the course of the application. Okay. Uh, For our future chips, we found that uh, some of the applications people are applying this to are higher resolution uh, screens like maybe they want to create some kind of a kiosk display okay. um, and in order to do that we needed a little bit more memory and maybe a little more processing speed. So the next chip that we're working on, the current design, uh, this might might change over time but the current design is 16 cogs, 16 okay. processors. Yeah. Uh, and either 128K or 256K of EEPROM, which is about four times or more than what it currently has. Okay. That gives you enough buffer space to build up a rasterized image uh, for some graphics. Okay. Uh, also, at the same time, the, the main memory that's uh, shared amongst the, the cogs mm-hmm. uh, in kind of a round-robin fashion, um, the access time to that is basically one every eight, every eight clock cycles, okay. essentially. Um, in the future chip, every time window, that every time slice that you get to access that main memory, you'll be able to actually read or write eight 32-bit values wow. at once. Okay, so, so you have
1: more time, more access exactly. per window. Visit. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. You'll be able to achieve a lot more. So. That plus the fact that it will be a pipelined architecture, so Mm -hmm. you'll have essentially one instruction per clock cycle executed, will significantly increase the processing power. And right now, though, I mean, the current one is doing 160 MIPS at 80 megahertz, and that's with an external clock of of just five megahertz or 10 megahertz. Yeah, I know
1: that's one thing we sort of. Uh, breeze past and that was how you handle the so you have n many number of these cogs running sort of as a confederation right right and uh you you do have shared resources now you're talking about the the hub system
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that's also another way to uh, almost a pre-planned scheduling because when i look at this you have a very deterministic scheduling system yes yeah which is which is very clear it's it's almost it's almost a side effect of the design
0: uh, yeah, it's, a, it's the per- an intentional if, side effect, it yeah. yeah. It's not the, yeah, of the design. Yeah. As as you probably know, re- for real-time processing, you need determinism. You don't yes, want jitter right. introduced because the timing changes because you decided to turn off a processor or something, mm-hmm. right? So we made it so that regardless of what how many processors are running or not running at any given time, it always takes the same amount of time for each processor to get its time window to access the shared resources. All oh, one scheduler. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it is. So it makes it easy to synchronize. You could at the start of the application, you can synchronize up all the uh, the cogs that need to communicate with each other. And and then never have to touch it again. They always stay in sync because well, they're special. always running off the same clock
1: yeah, well, source. Yeah. By that point, you, you don't have a choice. I mean, which is the idea of good design, right? Right. Well, it simply and, runs well.
2: And that's what you count for in real time, right? Yeah. You yeah. want to have constant intervals in which you schedule tasks. Yeah.
1: And that's it's, right. it's 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 really nice that their intervals are fast. Yeah. but Yeah. But the the trick is having predictable intervals, yeah. not necessarily that's quick right. ones.
0: And one one thing to point out is that the I/O pins are not. Uh, they are a shared resource, but they're not mutually exclusive. But The I/O pin control is all gated with just ANDs and or, ands, AND gates and OR gates. Okay. Uh, so at any, uh, on any clock cycle, any processor can read any I/O pin or oh, write wow. to any I/O pin. Okay. Um, and of course, you develop your application. You want to develop it in the same way where you usually have uh, one processor deal with certain pins and another one deal with other pins and they don't cross over, but they certainly can. In fact, we have an application to get higher... um,
1: Sampling rate, I guess. Yeah,
0: to get a higher sampling rate or to do things like a higher resolution for a video display, Mm -hmm. we actually used multiple cogs where one decides, okay, I'm gonna take scan line one and two and the other one's gonna take three and four And while the first one's drawing the first two, the other one is generating the data to draw the second. Oh, and then Then they switch off. They're both dealing with the I.O. pins, but in in kind of a handshaking fashion where it's it's only one at a time. It's a synchronous approach. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: But That's at least it's a probably. very
0: simple... It's, it's, the whole idea is that it'd be very, very simple and easy to understand and easy to control Yeah. Uh, so that you don't have any funny stuff going on.
2: Yeah, we, uh, we actually um, have done a lot of uh, recordings and uh, discussions with customers that, that were interested in real time. We covered that from the Linux operating system standpoint, mm-hmm. but um, having you introduce that on a, on a, from a hardware standpoint... Actually, is also very interesting, and thank you very much for that. Yeah, I really very appreciate welcome. you
1: coming by. I, I, it's, uh, it was you know fascinating, and like I said, you're with Parallax. Yes, and yeah. uh, uh, I'm sure we'll hear all kinds of interesting stuff coming out of your company over the next year or so.
0: I hope yeah. so. I hope so. This product is about two years old, so it's just starting to be embraced by the community.
1: Yeah, it takes a and if we're embedded, it takes a while for you to get. Uh,
0: Subtraction. Attraction. attraction. Yeah. Yeah, this is the right. nature of the market. That's yeah. right. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much.
2: So, right. Hey, so uh, hopefully uh, you enjoyed uh, this particular interview and uh, Gene talking fast after cups well, of coffee. <laughs>
1: I was I was very impressed that he didn't get up and leave after about the first 10 seconds because he was standing there. The poor guy... And his eyes roll. I mean, they rolled all the way in the back of his head, and he's thinking,
2: "Oh my God, what a fundamental mistake I made!" But they're kind of having me here, and I'm kind of stuck. I, I no, that's true. He he was very happy to be talking to us about uh, his technology, his company's technology, and uh, well, just uh, sharing with us some of the technicalities of a of a solution.
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, he was certainly one of the sharper knives in the drawer.
2: We are going to also play a couple other episodes. I mean. Mm-hmm. Interviews, should yep. I say, and um, those will be released most likely at the same time. So if you have them on your um, iPod or other MP3 players, you might also want to switch and uh, listen to other interviews. We've been talking about uh, graphical environments. I believe we've been talking about testing. Yeah, the, the testing interview was actually pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool. And then we we and then we had two yeah two people that did
1: graphics. Then we had one guy with the 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 itsy bitsy uh, uh, chip. And uh, I thought the funny thing for that is that, you know, the, the, oh, one the other, display. Yeah. yeah. oh no, 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 the actual, it was like a FPGA based oh, chip. Oh, Vertex 4. Yeah, yeah. That, that, who Yeah.
2: Where the uh, folks that bought it wanted it to be bigger, right? It was one of the
1: <laughs> comments. I thought, wow, you don't hear that too often,
2: yeah. right? We also have a, a person that's going to talk about virtualization and simulation. Yeah. And he almost uh, walked out on us too, I think. As, quite a lot of different topics that um, we covered during that show and mm-hmm. hope you'll enjoy them as well.
1: Yeah, thanks. And is there any questions or comments? Yeah, send them along, uh, podcast at Um or you can visit us at uh, www.times.com and click on the podcast button. And then I think there's one, I think they have com as well. There is, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, r- write us in, you know, write us questions, comments, and uh, I'm uh, we just released, even though I recorded, it, I don't know how long ago before the guys in marketing finally got around to pushing the button to send it out. But uh, I got a couple of interesting pictures of uh, crashed Windows devices. So if uh, you have any of those, send them along. We have a we'll, we'll send you a shirt if you have your address or whatever else. Yeah, it's your cool
2: shirt on a shirt. That's actually a good point. We have those nice shirts made for us for our Linux Link Radio uh, with a nice slogan under underneath, but we'll keep it secret. And um, I'm sure you'll enjoy them and you'll have a laughter when you get them. Well, that's the hope, right? (laughs) Well, take it easy. And again, questions or comments,
1: uh, podcast at timesys.com. Bye. Bye.
0: This podcast was brought to you by Timesys. Are you new to Embedded Linux? Looking for a way to simplify your next project? The Linux Link service by Timesys makes it easy to build your custom Embedded Linux platform. Go to timesys.com today or call 866-392-4897 to learn more.